Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts for today, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Aaron Snyder. Today we have two guests joining us to discuss trust in the organization. With us today are Cami Nolenberg, who's a branch chief with the MBD Regional Planning Organization, and Kat McCain, who's a section chief with the MBD Regional Planning Organization. Thank you to both of you for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation, Erin. Yep, thanks. All right. Um, so, you know, just jumping right into trust here. Trust is a critical component of being a successful organization. Um, Mr. Lee reflected on this in our last podcast. Um, leadership has identified trust as a strategic area of improvement for the organization. Um, Kat, I know you've been doing a lot of work on trust, um, both with the Revolutionized Civil Works effort, you know, and as uh, in your regular day job with the planning organization. But can you please talk generally about trust and the importance of accountability? Yeah, um, so trust is kind of like this nebulous term that people throw around thinking that, oh, yeah, we have trust or we don't have trust. Um, I kind of view it in two different ways. So you have like what we call or coin like practical trust. So this is kind of like, oh, I trust that you can do your job and it's more of dependability and um, like just feeling like you're responsible for what you are doing. Um, but the thing with really getting down to having a trusting organization where I feel at the core really needs to go is taking that trust to the next level. So it's not the superficial, practical trust, but it's more of this emotional trust where you know the people that you work with have your back, that we know that um, you are willing to go further because you understand what the organization is holding you to, what you want to do, how you fit in, what your roles and, responsibility do, roles and responsibilities are, and ultimately you want to be held accountable for your actions. A lot of people think accountability is like a bad word and it's dirty. And honestly, if that, that's not what accountability is. It's like you want to make that personal choice that you are responsible and you are, you want to own what you do and say. And a lot of times in an organization that as, that's as big as ours, um, a lot of times we lose that accountability because we just think someone else will be responsible or be, be, you know, held accountable for those actions. But at the end of the day, we want to be at a place where you want to be held accountable, that you want to be, you know, you, you want to own it, that you're, you want to be take ownership of it rather than say, oh, no, but someone else's responsibility, it's not mine. So I really feel um, that, again, I think our organization is doing okay with the trust at a that, that superficial level, but I would really like us to see, take it down to that emotional level where we actually feel that we can have a shared understanding, where we can share our feelings and understand that um, we are we are people and that people, is, it's all about the people when it comes to trust and accountability. Thank you for that, Kat. Now, on a personal level, what does trust mean to you and, and why is it important to you? For me, it's like when I started with the core, I had a, a, my first supervisor put it down, like I messed up something pretty good. <laughs> and he was like, you know what, my job is that you can't mess up anything so bad that I can't fix it. So with having that, like my new boss, having that much trust in me, knowing that I want you to lean forward, I want you to take that initiative, I want you to be innovative of how we do our job, and then that even if you mess up, it's not the end of the world, that we can fix it. So I really view it as, now that I'm a supervisor, I want to be able to empower my team, and I want to trust them. Like, I know my team that they will not, whatever they do, they can't mess something up so bad 
that I can't fix it or my boss can't fix it. Um, and a lot of times I don't feel that we have that trust across the board. Um, and I feel that's what we need is like, you know, regardless of where you sit, you should be able to know that someone, you know, like whatever you do, you're not out there by yourself and that you have a team behind you to be successful. Yeah, great. And speaking of teams, uh, Cammie, uh, you're a supervisor within the core. And so can you tell us why supervisors need to be facilitating trust within their staff and throughout the organization? Yeah, that, that's a tough one, Angie. Um, it's one of the duties of supervision that uh, is kind of like the underpinning of everything that we do. And, it, and it's really easy to get caught up in the minutia of the administrative things we do. Um, but as Kat said, your job is to build that trust, and a lot of building trust as a supervisor is having faith in your people and letting them know that you know that they can do their job well, and then always looking for ways to prop them up such that they feel that confidence. Um, and I think within teams, it can be really hard to build that trust because we all don't start from the same um, the, the same set of norms. You know, you go through that team building, storming, norming, forming. It can be really difficult to do that um, if you have a group of people that don't have the same background. You know, they, they may not all have been brought up in the, the same type of household, or they may not all have English as their primary language. So what a supervisor needs to do is encourage people to get to know each other. And when you get to know somebody, that's when the trust comes. Um, when you've had the, that demonstrated track record, of, yeah, I got your back. Um, Kat mentioned the emotional trust. That is so much harder to build but once you have that, there isn't anything you can't uh, accomplish. Thanks, Cammy. So in the court, it's, it's kind of clear to me that trust seems to be a challenge for us, both, you know, um, maybe in the day-to-day -day technical stuff, like in the emotional aspect that you just talked about. Um, in addition, we have lots of rules and, and regulations um, that we have to follow that sometimes work against trust because the more rules you have, the more rigid you become and less flexible. So there's less room for trust to grow. And um, in addition, micromanagement is the enemy of trust. And so, Cammy, as a supervisor, what can you do to ensure that we have trust in the organization, but we don't revert to micromanagement and necessarily, you know, cracking the whip and, and following every single rule um, as we're trying to implement the mission? I've been really fortunate in that I've had some great role models um, to kind of build my philosophy with regard to trust as a senior leader. And it's funny that you mentioned rules because in planning and policy, there's a lot of rules and guidance, but there is a difference between a rule and a law and guidance and knowing those differences is really important. Um, I think it's very important as a senior leader to set that tone. Here are my priorities. This is my philosophy. Go out and do great things and, and mimic that philosophy that I have. So that can be very empowering, specifically for uh, the day-to-day the, um, the -day supervision. You know, I'm a branch chief, so I don't interact with all of my staff every day. But folks like Kat, who are that 
first-line supervisor, it is really important for everybody to be marching in the same direction at the same speed. And that means you need to know what what are the number one rules that we never break. You know, that's, that's our ethics. Um, and then here are these other things that we need to do that sometimes we can bend them, um, especially if it's good for the, the customer. Um, one of the things that I really, really like is that when I take time off, my section chiefs know exactly the vision for our branch. So I don't feel like I need to watch my phone when I'm on vacation or on leave because I know that they've got it. I have told them when I'm gone and if you need to make decisions, I will stand by whatever decision you make. And if it maybe wasn't the decision that I would have made, I'm still going to I'm still going to stand by by it, and we are going to deal with it. And I think that's really liberating. Um, I know that I trust my folks, and my folks trust me, and I don't have to micromanage them every day. It's it's actually very freeing. Thank you for that, Cami. So, Kat, you you know you've worked on teams, and throughout your career, you know I'm sure that you have experienced some lack of trust, or you've really experienced some teams that had a lot of trust. And so how did how did trust play into the workplace dynamics or the project delivery team aspects? Yeah, so um, I'm a supervisor, but I'm a technical supervisor. So it's one of those things that I do technical work plus supervision on top. So um, when I did a transition going from a technical to a supervisor, it was I've been on I, so I've seen both sides. I have to supervise my teams as well as still be a technical PDT member. And in both cases, depending on what team you are working on, I've been on both sides where I've had a trusting team um, where the the team had that shared understanding, which is key. Having clear roles and responsibilities, which is, you know, is very important on a team. Um, and having just like those expectations laid out at, right off the front when you have a team. And that, I believe, helps that project delivery team deliver a high-quality product under budget and on time. Um, other teams I've been on, as well as even my own staff have been on, where it was more of that micromanagement-type style of the team, and everyone was questioned on what they did. And for me, that was, as a technical person, as well as supervising my staff, seeing that it's aggravating when you are the technical expert and you're being questioned on why you are doing your job the way you're doing it. When the same person could be having, being empowered to lean forward, do what you do, I trust you, you got this, and we're able to execute the project. Um, so having that questioning and having that um, just feeling like, well, you just want to spend this money. You don't, we don't need this for the project. And at the end of the day, we did need it for, you know, be compliant for environmental laws or, you know, et cetera. Um, so having that lack of trust really hinders a team to deliver high quality products. Once you start like um, wearing down your team, they're not going to want to execute for you. Like you, you will not want to work with that, you know, with that team again. And that's where, I see that um, here and there across the core. Again, I've seen good teams, which are great to be on, and other teams I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do my bare, I'll, I'll, I'll do my bare minimum. Um, I'll, I'll do the, you get the bare minimum, but on a trusting team, I feel you will go above and beyond because you know that you will be recognized, you will be um, acknowledged, and you will work together to, you will actually be a true team rather than individual people 
just trying to get the work done and get that person off their back. So um, I feel that empowering the teams to work together, build that trust, not just that practical trust, but also that emotional trust where if something does happen to a team member, you know you're going to have someone else who may not be in that discipline will make sure that, you know, it, it, your stuff is covered. And that's kind of where um, I would like our organization to move forward is getting more of that, you know, building from getting to know people as people rather than just a discipline. Thanks, Kat. I, I want to kind of bounce back a little bit to, to something that Cammie talked about. So when she said she was on vacation and her section chiefs were fully empowered to, to really take the lead when she was gone and she would stand by the decisions made when she was gone, I, I think that's a really important point. And, and it really ties closely to the concept of dynamic subordination where a supervisor or somebody in authority knows that there's somebody out there that has maybe a stronger skill set or they may be the expert and during certain circumstances allows them to take the full control um, of the, the, the authority from that supervisor. Um, so I just really think that that is a huge um, benefit and something that the organization could do. Um, so I guess, you know, for both Kat and Cami here, it is, you know, Cami, you can go first, but, but really is there something that leadership should be doing to implement this approach or, or what did it take for you to be comfortable to do this? Because I think there, you know, when you transition from a technical staff to a supervisor, you really have to change your viewpoint and that's a really difficult transition. So um, you know, could you help in telling, you know, supervisors out there making that transition, what they need to do to, to implement dynamic subordination and concepts like this? Sure, Aaron. Um, I want to start with saying I've been really lucky with the staff that I have. Um, two, two of the three I hired, so I think it really starts with hiring really good people. Um, and that is not a good supervisor, is not somebody who's always um, the, the subject matter expert. You know, you really want to look for that emotional connection. Um, but as a group, I think the thing that is key is constant communication and minor adjustments when you need it and being consistent with your commitments. Um, we are a virtual organization, and because of that, the communication that we have to have needs to be frequent and concise. Um, one of the things that I really try to do is anytime I get a piece of information, you know, whether it's email or if I go to a meeting, who else can I share this information with? So one of the reasons that I feel really confident with my section chiefs is I know that they know what I know. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like a do loop. We're all sharing this information. I know that they have the information that they need to make to make decisions. Uh, one of the other things that we really tried to do within our branch is make sure that we had a mission statement so that we were all working towards the same goal. Um, and I think that is really key when you have new people come in. Hey, welcome to our organization. You know, just so you know, this is how we do things. Here's our mission statement. Here's our logo. And then you get into that um, peer pressure, but it's positive peer pressure. Like, yeah, this is a great team and I want to do great things. I don't want to be the weakest link. So that, that really forces everybody to level up. Um, but you really can't take your foot off the gas. You have to continue building and refining and making sure that people 
know that they're valued and that um, they have all the information that they need. I do work really hard to be consistent with my expectations and try to get into like a natural rhythm of what we have for um, how we're getting our, our work done. And that, that seems to work um, really well. Kat, could you go, um, you know, weigh in on that, the dynamic subordination? I know I think you're a section chief. So, you know, how do you treat that transition and trusting your staff? Yeah. So um, I, I agree with what Cammie's saying. It comes down to um, that shared understanding and communication. So if you think of trust, it's like a three-legged stool. You have communication, competence, and a shared understanding. And then the seat of the stool is accountability. Um, so if you don't have those four compartments of your or in your organization, that stool will not stand. Um, so communication is obviously key, um, but good Effective communication is key, actually. Um, so you want to make sure that you communicate with your staff that is not just valued for you from, you know, how as a supervisor you want to communicate with your staff. It's how your staff want to be communicated with. So as when you transition from a technical person to a supervisor, you have to be able to be adaptable to the team that you have. Um, I inherited some team members as well as hired team members that I've selected. And having that flexibility as a supervisor in order to manage your team that's right for them. So each person I have, I treat differently, fairly, but, you know, differently based on their needs. And having that shared understanding and those clear roles and expectations of what I expect each person on my team to be able to do. And again, I'm, I'm right there with Cammie. When I'm out of the office, I am like, I know whatever happens, my team has, has coverage for me. I'm currently going on a detail and I reassigned all of my work to other people and I'm like, we're good, we're down. You know, everything that I have, I'm confident will still get executed even though I will be um, doing 120 day details. But again, all of this stuff that you have, you can communicate all you want. You can have a shared understanding all you want. You can have competence, you can train your people all you want. But if you don't have that accountability of actually discussing successes, discussing failures, learning from them, um, being wanting to have a personal choice to be like, yes, I, I, I'm choosing to do this. I'm not being told to do this. That's what accountability is all about. So, I, again, when you become a supervisor, trying to foster that, um, it, it is hard. Like, it is hard to figure out, okay, I don't want to be telling people, oh, you just did this wrong. It's really trying to encourage them um, to lean forward discuss what they, you know, if they did fail, I hate to use the word fail because it's not about failure. It's about learning. I always call fail forward. You know, it's like whatever you do, it's a learning opportunity. So if you did something that didn't quite work, well, what can we do better the next time? So um, having, again, building that communication, that shared understanding, and again, get your people the, the training they need to actually know their job. So you can be like, yep, you got this. Uh, and then, again, have everyone not just be supervisor accountability to your staff, but have the staff, the technical team, be accountable for each other and wanting to choose to be to do that. Thanks, Kat. So you mentioned accountability. And so I am sure that you, like myself, have heard that you know people say that there's a lack of accountability throughout the organization. So, you know, do you have any thoughts on how we would make this a priority within the agency or change the culture um, of the organization uh, to take accountability of, of various things? Yeah. So um, people, again, I think people have a negative perception or a feeling for accountability. 
Um, but it can be simple. It doesn't have to be some big top-down thing. It could be uh, simple traits that any person, like if you give them the tools or like a little, hey, did you know if you did this, this would help me or help the organization. Um, just like being able to collaborate, communicate openly. Like, again, going back to communication, it's um, I've been told I'm too open and transparent, and I don't feel that that's a bad thing, you know, because <laughs> I go, okay, my bad if I said too much, but it's also one of those things that that helps um, people under have that shared understanding. And again, things that you can do to promote accountability, it's not really hard stuff. It's um, asking for feedback, acting on that feedback, giving feedback. Um, again, proactively trying to solve problems. So not trying to just keep the um, same old, same old, but actually try to lean forward and do that. And again, if you do, if you do have questions, you ask your supervisor, you ask your team, and you try to find those solutions collaboratively together. And then for like supervisors, stuff that can help foster a culture of accountability is, again, provide those opportunities for your staff to learn. Do clearly define the roles and responsibilities. So a lot of, especially if you have new staff coming on board, they may not really know exactly what their job is. You know, they applied for it, but they may, may not know the day-to-day, -day, what's expected of them on a given team. So laying those out early, um, having individualized goals for the, for the staff so they can mature in the way that they want for their career. And then they will be like, hey, I own this job. I really want to do good at this job. And again, it's, that, it's their personal choice to want to go above and beyond and be held accountable for their actions. Um, and then Again, give your team freedom to do, like, I hate micromanaging. And so it's one of those things that you give your, give your team freedom to do what they feel is the right choice. And again, if something goes wrong, it's a fail forward. And it's not, it's not a failure. It's a learning opportunity. Um, and then some other things, like within the core, it's, it's, it's not, I, I've been told, you know, accountability is a, is a dirty word and it's too negative. But again, I would like to see the shift in the discussion from accountability to more of is, 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 is that positive thing. Um, we want to do that because at the end of the day, accountability will promote collaboration, innovation, motivation, and trust in the workplace. Thanks, Kat. Um, I also wanted to step in here. So we just had another special guest join us today. Uh, Joe Savage is a LRD Regional Business Director. Uh, Joe, thanks for stopping by. Hey, Aaron. Glad to be here. Um, so, Joe, we've been talking about the importance of trust in the organization, uh, the importance of accountability. Uh, you know, just from your perspective and, you know, the SES level and the, the division office, what should leadership be doing to increase trust in the organization? You know, I think the first, uh, the first thing, every, every place I've been to, um, you, you mentioned leadership, uh, at, every, at every level of, of any organization I've ever been part of, there's the perception that that uh, that somebody in the higher headquarters or in the other organization is the them, right? There's the us and the, there's the them, and you always know us better than you know them, uh, and that's just an inherency, right? With any any place you are in the organization, and one of the things that I found uh, that everybody can do, leaders, uh, you know, down to the very newest member of a of a team, um, is I've gotten to know people in my career, and I got to know the people that were them, they quickly became a little bit more like us. And I found that there was a whole lot more in common that we had than we had uh, in terms of our differences, whether it's agenda, priorities, or uh, expectations in, in outcome. 
So, you know, one of the things that I would I would suggest to anybody in an organization that is is experiencing some issues with trust is make sure that you make sure that you know who the people are, um, and make an effort uh, to 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 really get to know them, to get to know their priorities, find out what their uh, their their personal and organizational perspective are that cause them to think, act, or behave the way they do. And more often than not, I think you'll find there's a whole lot more in common that we have than we have difference. Um, and that's a great place to start with trust. Yeah, Joe, I think that's a really good point. And, and really looking at the organization, I mean, we've got districts and divisions and headquarters. And if you spend time at any one of those, you'll know that, you know, they don't sometimes trust each other. You know, the districts might not trust headquarters. The divisions might not trust the districts. Um, and I think what you just talked about is, is getting to know people and be, it's more about us. And, and it seems like the the organization right now is not necessarily an us viewpoint for all three layers, um, but it's like, oh, they are the MSC. Um, it feels like sometimes we're not maybe on the same team. Um, what should we be doing as an organization to try to, to break down those barriers with trust and, and get to know each other um, better so we become an us and our team versus uh, an I. I just heard Kat uh, uh, made some remarks about accountability, and and I think that um, some really great remarks, by the way, about accountability and how it's often seen as a negative word. And I don't think you can have good accountability unless you have uh, a clear expectation for for what uh, what every part of the organization is uh, is, is contributing. Um, you know, those, those expectations or roles and responsibilities, um, if you think about every part of the organization and, and why it exists and why it has the different, the, the, you know, the, the difference, um, it's, it's because there is, a, there is a contribution to the whole that every part of that organization uh, is intended to contribute. And a lot of times uh, I've, I've experienced trust issues uh, with organizations where we had a difference of perspective on expectation for the outcome. I thought you wanted this, but I gave you that. Um, or, or excuse me, I thought I thought you wanted this, but the, the person who was receiving it had a had a completely different perspective and an expectation on on um, on what they wanted from me or my organization. So I think that uh, you know step one is getting to know people. Step two is the communication that leads to this uh, common understanding of of expectations. And I think it's worth our time to lay all that out. You know, one of the things that we do in a lot of our construction contracts in our ENC community has done a fabulous job. Uh, as I've traveled around the core and seen different districts, uh, we have really embraced uh, a collaborative partnering approach. And we have uh, facilitated partnering for all of our mega projects and many of our large construction projects. And one of the things that we endeavor to do there by bringing together the contractor and the, and the government team and all the respective components, that, uh, you know, therein, a lot of times we've got subcontractors, et cetera, that participate, is that we want to get to know each other, we want to build trust, and we want to increase the communication so we, so we are able to lay out the expectations. Expectations beyond just the contract documents. Expectations like, hey, when I encounter a problem, here's the kind of behavior that I want from a teammate who trusts me. Uh, I want you to bring me that problem early and assume a, um, uh, a positive intent on my part. Um, I want to I be at the table and help you contribute to a solution. If you have a problem that I have the opportunity to solve uh, and, it, and it's not, um, not going to cost me as a, as a teammate um, some, some other value or some other priority, and I can do that 
Um, why wouldn't I do that? That's a way to build trust. And we do that by establishing those expectations uh, early on. So um, if, if teams are experiencing that, I would, I would, I would start with, uh, hey, what, what perspective are we all sitting from and what expectations do we have from the relationship so that we don't find ourselves um, missing each other's expectations and then undermining that trust? Thank you for that, Joe. So we've talked a lot about internal trust, right? And so if we look at external trust, um, and, you know, we work with a lot of, of external partners. Um, so I would toss it to Cami. Um, I know that planning uh, actually, you know, is one of the places where we first start building that relationship with a partner. And so how, how do um, we go about making sure that we build trust um, and ultimately good relationships with our external partners? I think the foundation of building that trust with our partners is honesty. It's really easy at the beginning of a relationship to make promises that you probably cannot follow through on. Um, and it gets back to, to providing that shared information. Um, for example, being honest with the partner with regard to the possibility of funding. You know, we, we want to hope that it might be a year before we have funding, but we could have two or three years and asking how that would impact their operation or their goals really goes a long way in, in building that trust. And then once you have that honest dialogue, fulfilling the commitments that we set out to do really, really goes a long way. You know, if you want to have um, a long, fruitful partnership uh, with a sponsor or an entity, you, you really have to have that demonstrated execution and um, the sharing of goals. And then, as Kat mentioned, you know, um, when you fail, fail forward. Good news or bad news never gets better with age. So if you do have a potential issue, bringing those issues to your, your partners and your sponsors really early on um, goes a long way as, as well. Yes, thanks, Cami. So, Joe, I'm going to go um, back to you um, to talk about external trust. And, I, you know, recently we had uh, Secretary James uh, send out a memo to the Corps just really um, promoting uh, great relationships and proactive engagement with our partners. And so just wanting to toss it back to you to talk about how, you know, proactive engagement and getting out there and talking to our partners on a regular basis really um, can relate back to trust. Uh, yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Secretary James is, uh, is famous for saying, uh, you know, you make a friend before you need the friend. Um, this, uh, if I can talk to leaders real quick, and, and we all know this, but, but I think, uh, you know, if, if leaders are listening to this, I would say this is leader business. Um, building trust and uh, the relationships that will create that trust is leader business. That is the priority. That is your project, okay? Uh, if you don't have uh, a partnership, a trusting partnership, and the, and the collaboration and all the benefits that go along with that, you will not have a successful project, even if you get the cost right, even if the schedule's right, even if you think you got the scope right. If, if you don't have uh, the partnership with our external stakeholders right, then we, we as, a, as an enterprise, are going to fail. 
And that is the leader's business, to be in uh, in that stakeholder relationship and making sure that we prioritize our time to build the trust. If I, but In other words, if I'm making a trade-off in terms of my time on, hey, what do I need to do? What do I need to watch? Do I need to watch the contract? Do I need to make sure that all my technical uh, team has got the right approach, that, that, um, uh, that we've got the, the, uh, uh, the cost and schedule risk assessment properly done? Um, or do I engage with the stakeholder if I'm concerned that there isn't a relationship or the communication hasn't happened there? Um, I, I will tell you that in, in my mind, there are a lot of our PDT members that are absolute experts at making sure that we've got the technical components of our projects right. And our, I think we need to make sure that all of our leaders are prioritizing the, the trust that comes from the relationship and the communication uh, with our external stakeholders, uh, you know, when, when they're figuring out what they need to do. Um, because I think that's, that is perhaps um, one of the places that leaders can have the biggest impact on ensuring we've got positive outcomes with all of our projects. You know, Joe, those, that's a really good point. And, and I think, you know, be, before you joined us today, we talked a little bit about what we had described as micromanagement. Uh, and we talked a little bit even about the, the transition in supervisors, how you start out, you know, tactical or technical and you, you move up. And, and what, what I think I heard you say here is that, you know, really as you move up in the organization as a leader, you're transitioning from that technical piece more to the strategic piece, um, and your focus should be on that and enabling your staff to be able to do the day-to-day job. Um, So your job really is to develop your staff and give them opportunities and let them do the day-to-day work, whereas you would be more in the strategic lens where you're looking at building partnerships, looking for future opportunities, um, and clearing roadblocks to allow that technical, tactical things to work. So what should leadership be doing at your level, um, you know, and even all those GS-15s throughout the organization to really enable their staff to do the job so they can focus on more of these strategic things uh, and employee development? Yeah, I, I, I think I heard um... – uh, Cat earlier say failing forward and, and having trust within and for your team to be able to execute things. This, this is this is a challenge I know for a lot of folks um, uh, when they when they become a leader um, they really they they can't be and shouldn't be involved with um, with every detailed aspect of of, uh, of the of the project and all of the decisions that go along with that. Uh, that's why we have great. Uh, leaders uh, within all of our technical teams. That's really why, you know, the Corps of Engineers and its infinite wisdom uh, has continued to have a, a loose matrixed organization, and we prioritize the technical competencies that we get from all of our district components uh, and our center components that have a functional expertise, and we bring the best of those functional experts together on a PDT to make the best technical decisions for a project delivery. And leaders have got to be able to and willing to trust that team to make great decisions, that we've resourced them the right way, we've given them all the ability to, to make those good decisions. Um, one, of, one of my favorite um, leadership authors is uh, John Maxwell, and uh, one of the things he talked about in one of his lessons was delegation. Uh, and he had this principle. He said, hey, leader, if you can do a job uh, very well, you're apt to want to continue to do it. But if you have a subordinate, who can do the job 80% as well as you can. Uh, for those of, those of you overachievers, that's 
Now, that's still a B, all right? It's, it's a B minus, but it's a B. So if they can do it 80% as well as you can, let, let that subordinate in your organization tackle that task so that you have your time freed up to go after those tasks that only you can do. And that's what we leaders need to be thinking about. Where do I need to be? What relationship do I need to be building? And what part of the project or what part of the organization do I need to be focused on so that my team can succeed? I don't need to rework what I've got other experts doing. Yeah, that's really good insight, Joe. Thanks. So I think we're, we're closing in on our time with all of you today. And so before we close out, I just want to go around and make sure you guys don't have any final thoughts. So, Kat, I'm going to toss it to you. Any, any closing remarks on trust or accountability? Yeah, so, again, take-home messages, trust and accountability. It's all about the people. So don't forget that, you know, we are emotional creatures. We're not just a, a biologist or an engineer. So um, to really foster that emotional trust in this organization, it's, really just it's communicating is making sure our people have the right skills that they need, um, fostering that, you know, risk taking in order for us to be innovative and lean forward. And again, it's just get to know your people, get to know external, internal, vertical team, um, build those relationships as you can right now in this virtual environment with COVID. It's an ideal opportunity to do things differently. So let's take advantage of it. Make this a great opportunity for us to work differently that we didn't think could prior, and now we are executing in this virtual environment. So take advantage of it. If you're a supervisor, allow those innovative things. Allow that little, let's do it differently this time and see what it goes. And if it works, great. If not, like I said, learn from it. So um, again, again, thank you for your, I love this opportunity to share. And again, if you guys have any questions, just holler. Thanks, Kat. And Cami, any closing remarks from you? Joe talked about how, um, you know, leaders need to take um, take stock in things. And I really like how you're like, hey, leaders, listen up. Um, and I just, I just want to add to that. Um, it is very easy to get tied up in all the strategic things that senior leaders do. And sometimes we forget that uh, chit-chat is very valuable in building that trust. So taking the time to meet regularly with your staff, even if you don't see them every day, is, is really important. People want you to know them. And when you know them, uh, you know how to tailor your leadership and your management style to what fits them. Um, so for the folks that are parents out there, it's really no different than being an effective parent and providing that caring and nurturing. Um, when you trust people, they are generally more happy. Um, I look at, at my own relationship with my kids and with my husband, and um, there's a lot of trust there, but it, it's not something that's going to happen uh, automatically, and it's definitely not something that will last forever if you don't put um, some time and effort into it. Uh, thanks so much for the invite for this. This is a great way to start the day. Thank you, Cami. And then, Joe, any closing remarks from you? Hey, thanks. Uh, yeah, this is great. Thanks for uh, inviting me to participate in this. Hey, for, for any individual or any organization, the fastest way to build trust is to be trustworthy. Check yourself every single day. One of those uh, character uh, attributes that we all uh, ought to endeavor to um, perfect in ourselves. The fastest way to build trust is to be trustworthy. 
Most of the, the instances where I've encountered people uh, or organizations that lacked trust in others probably had some room for improvement there in being trustworthy themselves. And so, you know, what you can do at every place in our organization is to endeavor to be trustworthy and build trust uh, as a consequence throughout the organization. Look forward to seeing everybody out there at some point. Um, if I can ever help with anything, let me know. Thanks, Joe. Um, so I think, you know, really this is, this has been a great podcast here talking about trust. Um, it, it's really clear. I think a few, few key nuggets that have been said is, you know, from the supervisory perspective, you know, uh, enabling your staff and giving them the opportunities, as Joe said, you know, if they can do it 80% as well as you let them do it, um, enable them. Um, I think the, the motto that Kat um, brought up that you can't mess anything up so bad that I can't fix it. Um, you know, if you tell your staff that, I, I think that's very empowering and, and helps them take that step. And then they can perform and become trustworthy, um, you know, to build that trust. And then we also talked about dynamic subordination and, and how leaders, you know, can give their staff the opportunity to take the lead um, when they're best suited to do so and, and really giving them full authority to do that. And those are all things that leaders can do today. Um, so these are things, so we really need to, to challenge our leaders to take these steps, but also challenge the, the staff at every level to be trustworthy and to deliver and be accountable for your actions and, and really own it. So, um, but in conclusion, I just want to thank you, Cami, Kat, and Joe for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle podcast. We appreciate you and your thoughts on trust. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you, and what people are you interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together. Thank you.